Non-stop slamming. Let's hop in my Maserati. Baby, hop in my Maserati. I said, hop in my Maserati. It's the world's best music. Good evening and welcome to Media Watch, brought to you by the Voluntary Media Council of Zimbabwe. I'm Mona Lisa Dube, and in this program, we look at the state of the media in Zimbabwe, also looking at uh, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. This evening, we are going to be focusing on investigative journalism. And my guest this evening, I have Dorfri Nyarota, who is a veteran journalist, media consultant, as well as an author. I'm also joined by the publisher of the Zim Morning Post and an investigator journalist Elias Mambo. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for making time to chat with me this evening. So I will start with you, uh, Joffrey. Um, you were an editor of one of the weekly newspapers in Zimbabwe, The Chronicle, in 1988, when you unearthed the Willowgate scandal, which was um, one of the highlights of investigative journalism in Zimbabwe. What would you say is the state of investigative journalism currently in Zimbabwe? Uh in my opinion, the situation or the circumstances of investigative journalism in Zimbabwe, the general situation is now very favorable, or rather, let me say, more favorable than was the situation back in 1988 at the time of the Willow Gate scandal. I see that uh, journalists generally are moving uh rising to the challenge of investigating journalism uh, in many cases with a lot of, of success. Uh, and Elias, as a publisher of the Zimoni Post, which is one of the, um, the papers or the online publications that is big on investigative journalism, how would you describe the state of investigative journalism <clears throat> in Zimbabwe right now? Yeah, I think um, uh, we are at the peak of investigative journalism in Zimbabwe and I think we are, uh, this, the new crop of investigative journalists is dealing with a, a, a much more complicated, um, you know, uh, is dealing with complicated scenarios where uh, issues that are to be investigated and the individuals that are to be investigated have become complex. So we are having a tough time. I think I would I would not agree with my 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 brother uh, uh, Geoffrey there. Uh, that nowadays is a bit easier. I think it's more difficult than before. What are your reasons of saying this? Look, we are dealing with uh, complicated issues. We are dealing with um, subjects that have also invented new methods of hiding, um, be it the loot. Uh, we are dealing with uh, complicated uh, uh, individuals than before. Uh, in the past, um, it was a bit easier. You knew these, uh, like uh, what um, the Chief Nyarota did uh, during his time. It was about politicians, but now it's more complex. It's not only politicians. They've got runners. They've actually advanced or improved their methods. So it's more complicated than before. 
All right, so maybe if we could look at, let's go back to the basics, right? What do we define as investigative journalism? Because um, like Geoffrey here says that it has become easier, maybe because there are a lot of leaked documents due to social media and it's easy for us to conclude that is investigative journalism when there are certain people that are deliberately leaking certain documents. Is that investigative journalism? Let's look at the definition of what investigative journalism actually is. Uh, in my view, investigative journalism involve, involves assignments where a deliberate effort is being made by those investigated either to hide the evidence to the extent of their being hostile to those who are trying to, to reveal whatever is being uh, investigated. This is what I mean when I say it has become somewhat easier because the level of hostility, while still there, I think when I compare with 1988 at the time of Gate, there is a decline in that level of hostility, the confrontation between the journalist and the investigated to the extent where I think virtually everybody is now undertaking investigations. Uh, sorry, there was a notice on my screen which I was trying to check. Uh, so I do maintain, I, I'll go back to my earlier statement, that things have become somewhat easier. I agree the subjects that are, are investigated may become more complex, but that's what investigative journalism is all about anyway. Trying to unravel those issues that are very complex, unlike ordinary journalism, which involves, which involves uh, uh, reporting on mundane issues uh, with little resistance from the subject of the investigation. Now, Elias, you are a practicing journalist right now. And uh, as Zimoni Post, I know you engage in a lot of uh, investigative journalism, etc., is it true that sources have now become more um, less hostile, like what Geoffrey here is saying, in your interaction and in your in your quest to unravel certain stories? Uh, I think uh, it depends on how you handle the sources. Um, uh, nowadays, we have been trained uh, on uh, you know handling sources. We have developed the trust with these sources and they rely on us. And uh, I can say uh, it's not really like uh, 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 the sources are lenient or are willing to issue uh, information or documents or whatever. But it's the method, the methodology that we use in handling these sources, which is different from the past. Which method is this? Would you like to enlighten us on that? Well, you can you, you cannot just wake up and have a source, uh, say a, a government official is a source, 
or a council employee as a source. You've got to develop them. You've got to develop trust. And they have, they have to have trust also, uh, develop trust with you. You become like friends more than sources. So it's the method uh, which I think is very crucial in this case. There's something that I alluded to earlier about leaked documents. We find that there is a, um, it, it's become the norm lately that people get these leaked documents from various sources that have sometimes interested parties in certain issues and they reveal these internal memos or issues that are supposed to be private and con- confidential and they're leaked to the public and somehow this is given a name as investigative journalism. It, what role does this play? Is it making journalists... Are these now becoming easy targets for journalists to actually find their stories and then people call it investigative journalism? Yeah, you raise a very valid point there, Mona Lisa. I tend to draw a line between proper investigative journalism and a situation where the journalist may be used merely as a conduit by people with certain agendas. So we have a situation where documents are leaked or controversial stories are brought to the attention of the journalist, what I call uh, sources bringing uh, controversial stories to the newsroom in their big pocket, leaving very little potential for the journalist to undertake any meaningful investigation. Situation where one could say journalists are being used by the sources out making who bring ready-made stories for the journalists to to manipulate as they wish. Now, there is a difference there. Remember I said at the beginning that for an investigative assignment to be considered as such, there must be an effort being made by those investigated to block the process of investigation. And Elias, you know, I'll, I'll also pose to you the same question. As a journalist, as an investigative journalist, where do you draw the line between actually going out to look for the story and find the story or just depending on documents that are leaked? Uh, uh, Lisa, I've been arguing with the, our veterans uh, ever since um, over this issue of uh, leaked journalism. Uh, and they, they, they believe uh, uh, investigative journalism is dead. What is there is leaked journalism. And I don't agree with that. Uh, you know what? When a document is leaked, it does not mean that the article that comes from there is an investigative piece. No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, investigative journalism is in-depth. It's pro- like project reporting, where a document that you get from a source is used as a lead to an ethnic a, a story, a big story. Unlike uh, you know the quick hit scoops which are being done you know, on a daily basis, investigative stories 
mean working uh, for a certain period so that you unearth the story behind the story. Unfortunately, our veterans uh, decided to, to, to reduce us, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to leak journalists where they are saying the, the sources are actually um, uh, 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 assisting the reporters. Uh, what I would want to say here is that um, uh, even the chief, uh, uh, who is a veteran in this field, uh, the sources, there is no source that has got no interests. It now depends on how you handle the source. When a source comes, even when he broke the story, the, 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 the will of it stand up. Obviously, there was a source who brought in the documents and then he investigated further to, uh, to, to unearth what was happening. So when, 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 when such things happen, the sources have got interest, they have got motives. So what has made us different um, uh, at the Zimmerman Post is we first of all want to establish the motive of the source. Why are they giving us such information? But do you and have a life? In all fairness, you are an online publisher and you are yes. racing against time. You don't want to be scooped. In all fairness, do you actually stand and wait and say, what is the motive of this source before you go on to publish a story? Because we have seen you issue out apologies every now and then. Mona Lisa, we, 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 there's no need to rush when we are... Uh, dealing with an investigative piece. Uh, journalism is the art or the science of uh, checking and checking and verifying information. So why have yes, we seen apologies times, from your uh, like uh, publisher every now and then? Isn't that a lack of uh, actually being it's, thorough it's as what investigative journalism entails? Mona Lisa, it's not every now and then. When you see one apology, it doesn't mean that it's every now and then. Yes, some sources uh, mislead, that's a fact. And you, you fail to verify the information, that's a fact. So when after, after publishing and you discover that you've been misled, it's, it's our duty, the onus is on us to issue an apology. We can't uh, uh, behave as if it's business as usual when a source has misled us. My point, Elias, is if you had practiced your due diligence as a media house to make sure that your sources are eligible, uh, your sources are legitimate, your sources are at par, then you wouldn't have to be giving out false information or half-baked information to the public, isn't it? You are on point, exactly. But then what we are saying is uh, uh, we are a media house and just like anyone else, at times we fall. At times we think we've got a scoop when somebody is pushing an agenda and we only realize that after publishing and that's why you see us giving an apology and we dig further. So it happens, even at your own station, it also happens. We haven't been issuing any apology lately, Elias. I will say that on the record. But this is Media Watch brought to you by the Voluntary Media Council of Zimbabwe. And we're looking at investigative journalism in Zimbabwe. And my guest this evening, I have Joffrey Nyarota, who is a veteran journalist, a media consultant, as well as an author. And I'm also joined by the publisher of the Z Morning Post, who is uh, also an investigative journalist. Now, uh, Godfrey, I'll pose this question to you. Where do you think that online media is 
may be missing the mark when it comes to investigative journalism or where they're getting it right when it comes to investigative journalism because at the end of the day there's so much false information that is going on uh, just for likes and for clicks and for a story to sell but at the expense of the public getting false information thank you mona lisa i wish to start by pointing out that in my humble opinion it is wrong to create an us and them situation in terms of investigative journalism. There is no difference or there should be no difference in investigative journalism as practiced, say, by myself in 1988 and investigative journalism as practiced by my brother Elias Mambo in 2021, except for the fact that uh, maybe it's easier now. You know, the internet has done wonders for investigative journalism. Um, it is easy. It is easier to research. Which Elias has been objecting to throughout this whole program. Yes, that was his opinion, which I'm now trying to, to correct. And... I, I also wish to make a few points. He is quite correct in when he says that uh, journalists do make mistakes. And it is actually an ethical requirement for journalists to accept that they make mistakes, to retract stories that are not correct. And thereafter, to apologize. That, that is the nature of professional journalism. So, although I do see your point that, uh, in your opinion, Mona Lisa, too many apologies have been made by certain publications suggesting that maybe they rush to publish before checking their facts. And in fact, you do have a point there, Mona Lisa. Uh, I am, I, I am. I always quarrel with publications which publish statements such as, at the time of going to press, the person that we are exposing was not picking up his phone. So we just went ahead and uh, published uh, our accusations. Now, my, but there are deadlines. There are deadlines, Geoffrey. You know yeah, this. There are deadlines in deadline. the newsroom, <clears throat> and we're talking about the time factor of a story. You need to publish it. If you wait for whoever is supposed to respond, then the next day you publish it is not as newsworthy than that particular time. Ah, there I beg to differ vehemently, Mona Lisa. LS did say that investigative journalism by its very nature takes time. The Willowgate scandals, the check from Obed Mpofu came in September of 1988. We eventually broke the story on 21 October and it was still running into 1989. So, investigative journalism, by its very nature, take, tends to take longer than other types of uh, journalism. And for that reason, you cannot talk of deadlines. Deadlines pertain to breaking stories. 
the president has flown to Lusaka. There you talk of deadlines. But if you investigating theft by one of the president's men, you cannot talk of deadlines because the information is not easily at your disposal. And I will repeat this the business of saying the source, the accused man was not was not picking up his phone last night. It's absolute nonsense. The reader or the listener does not know about this investigation. So it is in the interest of both the reader, the listener, and the journalist, as well as the source, that the journalist waits until the investigated person picks up his phone and answers questions. Maybe he's not picking up his phone because he's, he's in hospital. Maybe he's dead. Yeah, I think um, the, Mr. Nerota is right there. It's, it's, it's not in the uh, spirit of, you know, um, um, a good uh, Ubuntu, so to speak, uh, to, to, to compartmentalize ourselves into them and us. It's not good, but I think uh, it's not us. Okay, let, allow me to use this today, then we'll correct it later on. It's not the young generation that is doing that, but it's the veterans who are actually placing themselves in a certain compartment and looking at the younger generation as them. You see, that's that's where the problem is. I think I've I have heard you know a, a, a arguments and counter arguments with some journalists over this. And all the younger generations, the younger generation feels they feel uh, it's our seniors, our veterans, who are not heading the pattern correctly and uh, trying to hold on to, you know, like they are the alpha and the omega of the investigative journalism. So that's the problem that we are facing. But I think, like what uh, Mr. Geoffrey said, it will be corrected. It needs to be corrected. Definitely needs to be co corrected because at the end of the day, the end consumer, who are the people that read the stories or hear the stories on air, are being shortchanged because of maybe lack of proper investigations uh, when it comes to the media or just maybe lack of due diligence on the part of the journalists because of wanting to scoop a story, etc. So. As, as we wrap up the program as a way of, of moving forward and to make sure that the profession of journalism is actually preserved and to make sure that we do not keep on uh, sending out apologies because we have done our thorough research as journalists. What would you say? I'll give each of you a, a chance to say something. What would you say is the way forward to maintain the integrity of investigative journalism and to make sure that we are passing on correct and accurate information? Uh, if I may take the first opportunity, I would like to point out, let me preface this by saying, I spent quite a lot of time with younger journalists of late because I hold training programs for them. Uh, it is folly to expect that a good investigative journalism will come up with a scoop every day every day there's a different scoop 
that is dangerous because if your motivation is to be the one who comes up with this coup every day, then you're heading into trouble. Uh, LS talks of um, passing on the button correctly. And I want to point out that it's not every journalist in the newsroom who is an investigative journalism. There is fully there. If we now take all of us as investigative journalism, as investigative journalism. And lastly, I, this is a point that I should direct maybe to publishers such as LS. Investigative journalism, unlike other, other types of reporting, cost money and publications must budget for that cost if your reporters are expected to undertake in-depth in-depth and serious investigation when they don't have the resources as is the case in quite a number of cases these days they must have allowances that allow them to undertake their work professionally. Is the lack of these resources and the lack of this empowerment making it easier for journalists to actually accept bribes of sorts or payouts for them to kill certain stories? That's what I'm driving at. Now, if you assign your reporters to investigate powerful people, rich people, and they don't have a cent in their pocket, They'll come back to the newsroom with a brown envelope in their big pocket. Yeah, I think um, like what uh, Mr. Geoff has said, what is needed at the moment is trainings. Uh, really, the young generation, the new crop of investigative journalists need to be continually empowered uh, so that, you know, uh, they can scale, you know, uh, heights. So I believe that uh, if they are trained and they are equipped, Surely we have uh, very good in-depth uh, stories, uh, in-depth investigative articles being published. Yes, on the issue of um, on the issue of uh, resources, uh, it's, it's really true that without resources, it's difficult uh, to get you know the story. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that we have to kill investigative journalism because there are no funds. We have to. To, to, to work with what is there, work within our means. But again, my fear is that uh, there is no free lunch. Who avails the funds for investigative journalism? That is the biggest question. If funds are availed or are provided by interested parties, then it means they will have strings attached and we are having problems with that. Who really should fund if I may in a life, when you yes. set a publication, you ensure that you have a budget to run that publication professionally. That means you're paying your, your, your reporters uh, decent salaries, you're giving them allowances, including entertainment, uh, crucial, crucial entertainment allowances. I'm not suggesting that there should be a fund from a third party. No, the funds should be made available by whoever starts a publication 
or a radio station so that they don't place their reporters at risk of being bribed when they are assigned to investigate powerful and wealthy people who easily tempt them. Are we having publications that are running on a low budget? Yes, a budget that will not allow proper investigative stories to be entertained, to be undertaken. This is why reporters now say at the time of going to press last night, so-and-so was not picking up uh, their phone because they're in a rush. Are you in a rush, Elias? No, 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 not at all. Uh, like I said earlier on, we don't, uh, you know, we don't report on, uh, we are not events-based. Uh, we investigate, therefore we are not in a rush. We take our time. So we, we really have to wrap up now this conversation uh, on investigative journalism, but I know there have been a number of key points that have come up from this conversation, and we're hoping that as we move forward, uh, journalists, investigative journalism, and media houses will actually do the noble thing and make sure that they give the end users, the consumers of this information, the correct information so that people are well informed on what's happening around them. Thank you so much to my guests. I was joined by the publisher of the Z Morning Post and who's also an investigative journalist, Elias Mambo, as well as Geoffrey Nyarota, who's a veteran journalist uh, and he is an author as well. Thank you so much for your time this evening. I am Annalisa Dube. Have a pleasant evening. Love is what you need. Love is what you got. Feel it. Love it. Live it.